Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Chasen. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio is Scott Chasen. Chasen, Ch- Chasen, there we go, I got it. And thanks to Marlia Campbell for filling in for me last week. Scott, they, the Wildcats keep playing Sunday games. They have four weeks in a row of Sunday games. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm just grateful it's not Sunday night Wildcat mm-hmm. basketball because then this might actually be an issue taping our show. Yep, yep, I had to be in Wichita last <laughs> week, but I'm here this week. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, on Twitter at the drive 13. And, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast over at GoPowerCat.com. And we start things off with our two-minute drill, and the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. Well, Fitz, K-State bounced back from a Wednesday loss to Marquette. By beating Green Bay on Sunday as Big 12 play nears, are the Wildcats ready for conference play? Uh, you know, it's hard to say right now, but uh, they, they certainly have been playing pretty decent basketball. The Marquette loss stings a little bit because it was a game they probably should have won, but it was also the second straight game they played without Nigel Pack, uh, who was in concussion protocol. And because of that, Marquise Noel stepped into the lineup at Wichita, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to get him out of the lineup as he's flirted with a triple-triple uh, in, in that time period and, again, put up great numbers in uh, Sunday's 82-64 victory over Green Bay. This, this team is really benefiting from their three grad or three uh, transfer portal guys, including Ish Masood, who is, uh, didn't miss a shot on Sunday against Green Bay. It was pretty impressive. It was 4-4 from three-point range. And then, of course, Mark Smith, who has played everywhere. Actually, he's played for every college basketball program in <laughs> K-State. Uh, but these transfers are really helped K-State. Now the question becomes, are the transfers really going to push the envelope in the Big 12 for the Wildcats? This is a better team. How much better? And this really, in Big 12 play, Scott, is the only measure that counts uh, if you're Kansas State right now. I mean, if you're Kansas or a program on the national scale right now, you measure yourself by other top 25 programs and those programs that you meet in the NCAA tournament. K-State right now is far from the NCAA tournament, so what they can accomplish in the Big 12 really is the proper measurement for where Boo Trevor's program is. And I'll say this, this team is the best that the program has seen in the last three years, but that doesn't say much. That says they are better prepared for the Big 12 But does that mean they'll actually win more games or just play more competitive losses? If you're a fan, I think you know where this falls. And Bruce Weber's program, though, is 
in much better shape right now than it was a year ago at this time. And Nigel Pack did return to the to the floor on Sunday against Green Bay uh, and played only about 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, Fitz, here's what I think the good news is. If you're a K-State fan and you are watching this basketball team, Noel can play. Nigel Pack can play. Easy Agu can play. There are a lot of guys. Kasuki, you know, what he brought in one game earlier this year, hitting a couple of threes. You've got guys who can play, and this team hasn't developed that defensive identity that most Bruce Weber teams eventually figure out. It's not there yet. So I think there is the ability to to maybe win a few games, maybe a few games you wouldn't expect come Big 12 play. But I agree with you. I think right now it's still a work in progress, although today was a nice bounce back win. Those three transfers have all been getting into double figures on a regular basis. But I loved Ish Masood on the post-game interview with Wyatt Thompson. He said their defense wasn't very good, and they don't play again until next Sunday, so they'll hear about it all week. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Well, Scott, Kansas dominated Missouri, and thank you for that. In the latest <laughs> edition of the Border Showdown, let's start with Christian Brown. How did he set the tone for the 102-65 to victory? Well, Fitz, he set the tone with his talking. He was amped <laughs> up for this game, and look, it, it just took a couple of minutes. He said he tired himself out with the way he started this one. That was the first shot of the game the three he knocked down, followed by some barking at the Missouri bench. He had the lob to David McCormick, you see. He had the and one where he's flailing his arms on the floor, just all excited. Look, Christian Brown being a Kansas kid, he was really amped up for this game. Obviously, his brother played at Missouri, maybe didn't go down, whatever. Uh, Wasn't the most successful partnership, I guess, would be uh, the nicest way to put it. Christian Brown was angry, was fired up, was talking smack after the game. And then, of course, Chris Tehan fittingly hit the three to put Kansas over 100 points. I thought that was especially cool, given that his brother, Connor Tehan, uh, was so paramount for KU beating Missouri in 2012. That was a game where Missouri was such a small team that Jeff Withey was not able to stay on the floor. So that opened up minutes for Tehan, who came in. He hit a few threes. I think he had four of them uh, in that game back in 2012. Obviously, been a while. The local kids showed up in a big way in this game because, quite frankly, they understood what it meant. And when I say local kids, I'm not even including Ochai Abaji, who, yes, did play in Kansas City, but Bill Self said after the game he didn't really know uh, what this rivalry meant as much as some of those other guys. Mitch Lightfoot, who fouled out in like eight or ten minutes, as Mitch Lightfoot occasionally does, he was amped up to play his enforcer role in this game. He understood, growing up a huge Jayhawk fan, what this game meant. Obviously, Dewan Harris, a guy from Columbia, Missouri. Missouri's game plan was to let him shoot. He has not been a good shooter this year. He hadn't made a three on the season. Well, he knocks down two or three, and all of a sudden that game plan is gone. And yes, Christian Brown, even Christian at the end, those guys had Kansas juiced and ready to go. And when you look at how much better Kansas is than this Missouri team, which is just flat out awful, that's what you get. You get a complete route where Kansas, it appears like, is running it up a little bit just because they're playing so hard in a game that's already a blowout. I was extremely impressed by Kansas for taking this game seriously. I thought there was a chance that the players wouldn't necessarily know what a Kansas-Missouri rivalry means. Uh, Kansas made sure they did. They brought back some former players, too, and I think that helped. I imagine the crowd explained it pretty early (laughs) in the process. That's a fun game. That they did. Well, Fitz, over the last couple weeks on this topic, we've seen Kansas State play Wichita State, Kansas play Missouri. How important are these games to the sport of college basketball? You, you know, they're great. They're, they're fantastic. In fact, I wish we could get KU to start playing Wichita State. I wish K-State would play Missouri maybe every year at the T-Mobile Center. I would just absolutely love it. Having these regional games um, and 
It's just so good for the fan base. It's good for the budget. I mean, you get a bigger crowd and less travel expenses that go with it when you're on the road. Uh, I just love these games because there's there's extra juice. There's more skin in the game here. There's just a lot more at stake. And the, the atmosphere when K-State played Wichita State and Interest Bank Arena down in Wichita, it was one of the better you know, kind of 50-50, even though it was about 75% Wichita State crowds. It felt like a conference tournament type of game. So, I, Scott, I love these games. I absolutely love these games. And, you know, K-State goes to Nebraska next Sunday for, for a game against the Huskers. All of these regional games, are. this is something that's come out of the pandemic that I think ADs are a little bit more aware of now. Yeah, trying to save every little bit of money and play one of these regional games instead of flying all the way across the country to play a non-conference basketball game just makes so much better sense and it means more to the fans and as it turns out as we we've seen in both these games the players yeah well Fitz I couldn't agree more and look there were a lot of people who didn't want Kansas to play Missouri again I'll use that as the example because it covered Kansas and look you understood maybe why at the beginning when Missouri left the Big 12 and there were thoughts of instability what's going to happen to the conference certainly Bill Self was against playing this game but there comes a point where you see that it can bring value even to a school like Kansas I hear Kansas fans say well there's no benefit to Kansas playing this game did you see the crowd? Did you see the energy from the fan base? Do you see how much passion people bring to this? That's not to say they wouldn't bring passion to any other game. That's not to say Missouri is the best team on Kansas's schedule, but it really did seem to reinvigorate this fan base. And Fitz, as you mentioned, if, if you were just watching the game and saw how the crowd looked uh, moments before tip-off, people really cared about this one. And the KU players, just like you said, they wanted to win, too. I absolutely love it. I, I wish we'd have more games like this. I wish K-State played UMKC every, every year. Just kind of kind of keep it regional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Omaha is who they play every year. It's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, how do you expect Cincinnati to perform in the college football playoff? Of course, Cincinnati will first play Alabama in the first round on New Year's Eve. A blowout loss in the semifinal round to Alabama. That was 26%. Most people think a close loss in the semifinal round again to Alabama. That's 42%. Loss in the college football championship game, 26%. And last place, only 6% of people think Cincinnati is going to win the college football championship. Just not enough faith in the Bearcats. I think it's going to be E. Alabama will not show up in fear. Mm. You think that's possible? Uh, it'd be a tough one. Okay, this week's question is this. Should KU Hoops in Missouri play at least once every year? I say yes. B says no. <laughs> Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 Well, they certainly will for the next five at least, and I agree. I hope it continues from there. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome.
Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill and the two-minute drill sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Fitz, K-State is preparing for a Texas Bowl matchup with LSU with Colin Klein serving as interim offensive coordinator. He's climbed the leader for duties next season at that position. You know, this is really an intriguing thing is, is some of the candidates we thought might emerge really haven't popped up for Chris Kleiman. And I think in reality right now, he's in such a recruiting mode and bowl preparation mode that he's just done interim internal promotions to fill his two vacancies, uh, moving up some analysts on the staff to, to help actually coach the team and go out on the recruiting trail. It's funny, Scott, in the Texas Bowl press conference, which was last Sunday, as we were going down to Wichita, we had a pullover and hop on a Zoom call. Uh, it was very interesting. Chris Kleiman was very specific in saying, uh, Colin knows this game isn't make or break uh, in terms of what he believes he could do as an offensive coordinator. So one, I mean, it made very clear that he's, he's a candidate. I mean, Chris Kleiman sees him as a candidate for this. But I would say this game has everything to do with it because if, if Kansas State goes down to Houston and hangs a bunch of points on LSU, how are you going to not promote Colin Klein? And if the opposite is true, they go down to Houston and absolutely stink it up on offense, how are you, how are you going to promote him? So I think it does have an impact. But I also think a, a course of action Chris Kleiman might go with is to hire a veteran who either will come in as an offensive coordinator, and I'm thinking of Matt Wells, the former Texas Tech coach, who's good friends with Kleiman. Someone like him comes in knowing darn well he'll be there a year or two, but part of his job is to prepare Colin. Or he actually makes Colin the offensive coordinator and brings in someone uh, with a little more experience who maybe has been an offensive coordinator to be the number two, the co-offensive coordinator, to help guide Colin. Because the, the, the reason this is so important for K-State is Chris Kleiman's a defensive coach. So he pretty much turns his offense over to his offensive coordinator, just like Bill Snyder did with defense. So he's got to get this right because it really, this person really does run half of the, the team that takes the field on uh, Saturdays for K-State. Well, Fitz, I think you and I would both agree that coordinator and assistant positions, it almost seems like they're more important now, or maybe that importance is being realized. You get the right guy in there, it can really transform something. It will be very interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, and it's so difficult to get it right when you mm -hmm. hire a position coach. you got to get someone who's good at it, someone who the players will respond mm -hmm. to, and someone who can recruit also. And it's just a lot of moving pieces, so you really need to, to study everything very closely. <laughs> well, Scott, you talked about the local talent to start off the show. Did you have any other big takeaways from Saturday's KU-Mizzou game? I actually did, Fitz, and, you know, I kind of mentioned it when I talked about maybe it, it felt like Kansas was running up the score a little bit, and it'd be like, well, why? It's because Kansas played a rotation. I, I see you saying, yes, in favor of that. Uh, look, Kansas played a rotation of, like, seven guys until the final ten minutes of the game. Yeah, Jalen Col Coleman lands. He was sort of the eighth. Uh, but even then, he I don't know how many minutes he would have got if that game was closer. Bill Self said after this one, he kind of coached this game like he plans to coach when this team goes into Big 12 play, and that meant whittling that rotation down in a hurry. 
Kansas has been able to play 10 deep, 11 deep. Kansas has been able to go into the bench a whole bunch of times this year. You've seen freshmen like K.J. Adams and Zach Clemens get minutes. You've seen Jalen Coleman-Lands play more. Bobby Pettiford, when he was healthy, he was playing more. Joseph Yesifu, he's played a bunch at at times and, and at others not so much. There are a lot of names you can throw out, but this was the first game this year that Bill Self kind of deemed important. Maybe he'd say Michigan State, but Kansas sort of controlled that game the whole time. It was early in the season. Bill Self didn't really have a handle on the rotation. This was the first game that Bill Self really said, I'm going to coach this like it's the NCAA tournament. And for that, that rotation, that deep KU team, one of the deepest they've ever had, man, that tightened up quickly. So what you have now, you have your starting five. You have Remy Martin, Dwan Harris, Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, David McCormick. You've got Mitch Lightfoot coming off the bench who, you know, Bill self-trusts. And you've got Jalen Wilson who Bill self-trusts because of what he did last year. Okay, everyone else on the team, you're now fighting for minutes. You're fighting to not have a bigger role. You're fighting to have a role. And that's probably Jalen Coleman lands as that eighth guy. I don't know who would be the ninth. Maybe Bobby Pettiford when he returns, maybe someone else. But I think you've seen Bill self look at this and say, uh, especially he's been critical of himself for subbing too much. And, you know, you could have viewed that as a motivational tactic, Bill Self saying, you guys better play better, you're going to lose minutes. No, I think he's taken it seriously. I think he's looked at it and said, KU has played well, then he's subbed, it hasn't gone as well. Okay, I'm just going to shorten that rotation up. And you really saw that in the Missouri game. I thought it was interesting. Very good. Now we step out of bounds. Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, you were off for last week's show, so let's give you a chance to chime in here. College football playoff will kick off on New Year's Eve. How excited are you for Cincinnati versus Alabama and Michigan versus Georgia? I am really fired up, and I'm really fired up to see how Cincinnati measures up. And and it's almost unfair to the Bearcats that they're going to be used as the measuring stick for all future uh, non-Power 5 schools that might get in, or they might not get in if Cincinnati gets blown out. It's really not fair to the Bearcats, but uh, I guess my biggest takeaway is when Kirk Herbstreet came on and, and absolutely called out on Twitter that all the fans that have been complaining about the non-Power 5 institutions not getting uh, into the playoff and calling it a conspiracy theory. Uh, I, I didn't understand that. And let's be honest here. Oklahoma State wins its game, Scott. Mm -hmm. They win the Big 12 title. Do you think the committee's not going to put Oklahoma State in over Cincinnati? Even if it's not right, even if it's not fair, have a Power 5 champion left out with uh, a one-loss record? No, they're going to put them in. So I'm I'm happy about it. And this is a good good grouping here. Uh, But uh, it could have gone south very quickly if a few things had changed in the in the games leading up to the playoff selection. Yeah, let's get real about this. I mean, Clemson, if Clemson weren't down and having a terrible year, Clemson would have been in Notre Dame. If Notre Dame's early loss had been to any team but Cincinnati, who just happened to years in advance schedule, what would be a top five Notre Dame team? I mean, it it took a whole bunch of things coming together. I'm very happy it did happen. But yes, I agree with you. It's still next to impossible and everything has to go right in one way wrong in another for uh, a team like Cincinnati to make the playoff. But you know what? They did. So let's see how they do. It's good for the future Big 12 too. (laughs) Now let's hear from the fans and our fan question is sponsored by Metalark, supporting people in their and living their best lives. And this one came in at the last (laughs) second, Scott. Uh, 
It's from a guy named Tim F. I don't know why I put his initial in there, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Might be sketchy. in Topeka. That's, he sounds <laughs> sketchy. Uh, Scott, word on the street, and I heard it on the street, mm-hmm. is you were able to attend the Chiefs beat down of the Raiders, as Aaron, our producer, was too. Mm-hmm. I didn't get tickets because <laughs> people don't like me. How fun was that? Because that was awesome to watch. It was a party, and it was a party from the first play of the game. I mean, maybe it wasn't the first play when the Raiders fumbled and it was scooped up, returned for a touchdown. How about the ensuing kickoff when the guy bats the ball out of bounds, and I think the Raiders get a first down by penalty, and even that doesn't put them to the 25, and then they have to punt, and the Chiefs go up big. That was as impressive and complete a performance I've seen from the Chiefs in a while, probably this year. Uh, Really impressive, really fun. I thought it was a, a great win. Yep, they got up 35 nothing in cruise, 35 nothing in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, note to the Raiders in the future, you may not want to dance around on the <laughs> center midfield logo before the game. It doesn't work out very yeah. well. Yeah, okay. that team is in a tailspin too. Yeah. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show, and it's time to look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. The viewers went two and one. Scott went two and one, and I entrusted my picks to my sub Marlia, and she went one and two. I think it's very, uh, very interesting that you're putting all the blame on her. I think it's all, it's all her fault. I mean, it feels like she cost me 10 games in the standings. <laughs> I'll let her know. <laughs> and now, here are this week's picks. And we start with Kansas. Now, of course, this is all college basketball. Mm-hmm. Minus 24 and a half against a guy named Stephen F. Austin. You have. Fitz, I'll take Kansas, but boy, is Ooh, that a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Yeah. I will take this fella named Stephen <laughs> F. Austin, thinking they will lose by fewer than 25 points. <laughs> Ouch. Well, next, Fitz, K-State will make them another pick at Nebraska. I will roll with the former Big 12 over the current Big 12. Who you got in this one? This, this is a bad line. I love it because it's in my favor. I'll take K-State. K-State should roll. Nebraska's really struggling. I, mm-hmm. I can't explain why. They're not very good at hiring coaches all of a sudden mm-hmm. up there. I don't know what's going on. Here's our last game of the week. It's Gonzaga minus 14.5 versus the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I will stick with the Big 12 and take Tech. I will go with Gonzaga, although Gonzaga already has a couple of losses this year, so they've been kind of interesting in this one. Might want to fire that Mark Fusion. <laughs> Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by local for a strong local community. And we start with Mr. Scott Chasen. 
Well, Fitz, just a quick note on Emmett Jones, the Kansas wide receivers coach, who is now at Texas Tech. Emmett Jones obviously helped Kansas recruiting. He was great for player development, but I think it's really interesting now as Kansas turns its efforts locally, maybe a little bit less into Texas. I actually think Kansas could be losing a very talented, very good assistant, but it could also possibly be a good thing for the program. Matt, can we get him out of the Big 12? <laughs> He's really good at recruiting. Hey, I'm going to share a little personal news with you today. Uh, as many of you know, I have stage four prostate cancer and I've been battling this for more than three years. In fact, to the week, my radiation ended three years ago. Uh, and because of that, and no sign of active cancer, I've been declared in remission, which is always a good word to say, hear and say. However, anyone who's dealt with cancer knows it's just kind of a, a milestone that cancer can rear its ugly head. But I appreciate so much everyone's support through these last three, four years. It's been quite the process. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.